Good morning. Welcome to Orangecast Community Church. Last week was Easter Sunday and we kicked off a new series of messages called This Changes Everything. And if you would like to check out that message, you can go to our homepage. There's a message button. From there, you can watch or listen to any of our previous messages. You can also subscribe to our OCC podcast. But on Easter, we highlighted the compelling evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. And we gave people a chance to respond, to follow Christ for the very first time. And if you did, we would love to connect with you. You can let us know by email or on your connection card this morning. Today, we're going to continue on in this series. And we're going to look at the impact that following Christ can have on our happiness, which is so relevant right now. It's tough to find happiness at this stage in life. As a church, and really as a society, we've all been sheltering in place. And we're it's been over a month. We're not meeting as a large group. We've moved everything from our normal gathering to an online-only platform. And what's exciting is we've had several people log on for the very first time. And I, and I hope to meet you in person someday in the near future. But our hope is that this service on Sundays, or whenever you log on, really would bring you some comfort and would bring you some encouragement and help, some timely help at this point in our, in, at this point in our lives. Uh, my name is Josh Delarosa and I'm the senior pastor of OCC. I'm married. I have three kids, uh, two teenagers and one who's a preteen and, and time, time just sort of keeps flying by in my life. My wife and I, we met back in the, uh, in the mid nineties here in Riverside. We met in college, moved away, then came back to this area to start a new church. And when we started this church, which we call OCC, uh, we, I was 29 years old. That was over 12 years ago. And in some ways, life has just sort of flown by. I was in my late 20s when we began this church. It seemed like I blinked and a decade now has passed by. And here I am now in my early 40s. And my wife actually asked me a, a probing question recently. And she, she said, or she asked, Josh, what do you enjoy doing these days? Really, she's asking, what, what do you enjoy? What, what makes you happy these days? Uh, she remembers all the things I used to be into in my 20s, the things I would do uh, for activity and uh, play a lot of different sports. But she asked that question, what, what do you like doing now? You know, if someone in my 20s or my 30s had asked me, Josh, do you want to go to the beach today? I would pretty much check and see how much sunlight we had left. And if there was time, we'd hop in the car, you know, drive an hour and, and jump in the ocean. I really enjoy the beach. I probably would even call the beach my happy place. I grew up in Pismo Beach and up in the central coast and our home growing up was about a mile from the ocean. And so I have all sorts of memories. Here's a picture of, of Pismo Beach, but I love that place. I love the scenery. I love the waves. I love the water, the breeze, the sunsets. I just love that whole experience. What about you? What brings you happiness in life? What do you really enjoy these days? Here's what I want to do. I've got some pictures that I'm going to post on the screen. And I want you to maybe just thumbs up or thumbs down. If this is a good feeling, then thumbs up. Okay. And you can also click the heart on the screen if you're watching this live. But just do it once though so we know how others feel about this, this area. So this first one, work meeting. How do you feel about that? Or a spa day. Or tent camping. Or fine dining. Or a family bike ride. Or traveling. Or reading a book alone. 
or life in the big city? How about the thrill of a roller coaster? You know, I imagine that not every one of us has the same feelings about those different scenes or pictures because happiness, as we know, seems to really vary from person to person. Did you know that, that the scriptures actually command God's people to live with joy? In fact, look at this verse. Here's a few of those commands. Psalm chapter 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. That's a command. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Really short verse in the Bible. Rejoice always. But here's the, here's the question. How do you actually do that right now? How do you do that when the news around us is all so heart-wrenching? How do you do, how do, you do that when, when people close to you are sick? How do you rejoice when... When there's suffering, when there's loss, how do you rejoice when there's people losing their jobs and the economy is heading in, in, a, in a downward trend? How do you rejoice when you're stuck at home, far from the beach, far from your favorite experience that's really outside of these walls right now? I think we're all really struggling right now to find joy, to find happiness right now. And, and what, what it exactly is happiness? Let's, let's try to define it. Happiness is it's not this. It's not amazing delight, which is how we might too simply define it. But it's not that. In general, every human language has words grouped around two matters. There's words grouped around feeling good and then another group of words around feeling bad. Sometimes we're feeling really good and, and we're smiling and we're happy and sometimes we're really down. How about you? What words do you use to describe when you're feeling good? Here's a, here's a scale of of words showing high intensity good feelings down to low intensity good feelings. There's really a scale, a range. So you have bliss, ecstasy, euphoric, elated, delighted, happy. There's happy. Then pleased, content, and going lower intensity, serene, calm, relaxed, and sleepy. I gave my son these words and I, and I asked him if he could take these words and then uh, draw them for us. And so he, I said, look them up in the dictionary. If you don't know what they mean, look them up and then draw and illustrate these different feelings of good. And so here's, here's some different pictures that he came up with. And you see he's got pleased and happy and ecstasy and bliss. Bliss is like, there's nothing else in the world going on right now. Relaxed. You know, got the shades on. Calm. It's good. Sleepy. Serene, delighted. Notice they're all different versions of good. I mean, there's no frowns. These are all, uh, there's at least a little crack of a smile on all of those. But the interesting thing to note, look at that scale again of, of good, high intense feelings. Happiness is about mid-range on the scale. It's right in the middle. So happiness is, according to the dictionary, it is a sense of well-being and contentment. And to define these, we'd say this. Well-being means things are good. Contentment means it's enough. Now, I want to look at this question also. What makes me happy? What makes me sad? Back in February of this year, I went to see the movie It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's a film portraying the real-life friendship of a of a journalist who was assigned to do a profile on Mr. Rogers. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers, and in February, my energy was pretty low after coming out of a pretty intense season of church life. And 
And my wife and I, we caught this movie together one evening, and uh, I've got a clip I want to show you. But Fred Rogers, he's played by the in in the film by the actor Tom Hanks. He created and hosted Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood for 33 years. Such a long show. Uh, he he would help families and children understand that we all need to process our experiences and our emotions in life. And so here's a good example uh, from the show. And action. Do you know what this is? It's a tent. Let's set it up. Two grown-ups to set up a tent. And that's a cut. Let's go again. <laughs> no, no, let's, uh, let's look at that. Okay, roll playback, please. Lunch, everybody. Look, the tent. Why didn't you let them set it up for you? Well, children need to know that even when adults make plans, sometimes they don't turn out the way we'd hoped. Isn't that an interesting scene? And he fails to set up a tent. He's trying, but he can't set this tent up. And his uh, his crew, his production crew decides we need to reshoot but mr rogers he he just decides no the the footage actually illustrates the fact that adults struggle as well this is normal we have a hard time in life you know it's true we we don't often stop in our lives and really think about what makes us happy or or what makes us sad what makes us frustrated we don't often really stop and process here's how we usually approach happiness things go well, things look hopeful, and and I'm happy. Or, things don't go well, don't look hopeful, and I'm upset. I'm sad. I wanted to find another word related to happiness. It's the word joy. Joy in the dictionary, here's the definition for you. It's the the emotion evoked by well-being, by success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. So how do Christ's followers produce joy? And how do you process all the hard stuff of life 
and find joy and happiness? How do you do that while sheltering in place or while knowing there's so much pain out there in the world right now? And really not far. I mean, in our city, in our county. Is joy and happiness just a feeling that we can somehow just muster up? Now, this is really where history helps us. We're not the first group in history to face dark times. In fact, it's good to ask ourselves, what did God's people in the Bible, what did they do in the past when they walked through pain and suffering? I want to look at some things about the patterns of Christ's followers. Now, Christ's followers can choose joy. It's not just, you know, there, we do have feelings of good feelings, bad feelings, but we actually can choose joy. I want to show you some things out of the Bible. Christ followers can choose joy because first, we have peace with God for all eternity. We can actually, because of that reality, choose joy. Take a look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This is from Paul, a first century church leader, to Christians living in Rome. Paul writes this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts with this phrase, we've been justified by faith. Meaning, justified means God has declared you righteous on the basis of faith in Jesus. So, if you if you put your faith in Christ, then God has declared you righteous. Because of that, Paul writes, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, without Christ, in our natural sinful condition, we're separated from God. We actually have the opposite of peace with God. We're at war spiritually with God. We're enemies to God, the Bible would, would describe. Apart from Christ, we're, we're in opposition. Now, when a country is at war with another country, the residents who live there are not at peace. They're, they're, they're not able to fully rest at night. Uh, there's tension. Uh, people are on edge. And in a similar way, people at war with God experience no peace, no rest. And though, so this statement right here is huge. Faith in Christ changes everything. We actually can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we would love to help you on your journey of making peace with God. If there's a way we can help, let us know. Now, let's continue. Verse 2. Through Him, through Jesus, we have also obtained, obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Basically, we have a new standing. Our position has changed. We were separated, cut off from God as His enemies. Now, in Christ, we have access to God. The one that we were once at war with, we have access to him. We can approach him now. And Paul writes, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This whole experience of a new standing, access to God, peace with God. He says, the whole experience causes joy. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Our default condition, which we looked at last week in our message, is that we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all miss God's mark. But here we see that the, that the reason to rejoice is we have a future hope, eternity with God. It's in heaven. Where and when we'll no longer fall short of God's glory, but we'll share in God's glory. And so we rejoice. We rejoice here and now, in the present time. We choose that because we have hope and God holds our hope secure. Now a question worth asking at this point is this. It's have I ever made peace with God? 
Have I ever made peace with God? Sometimes people, I, I as a pastor and as I talk with people who are nearing the end of their life, I've heard that phrase come up, like, I need to make my peace with God, or I haven't made peace with God yet. Have you, do, have you done that? Regardless of your age, have you made peace with God? Or would you say, you know, I'm, I'm still going my own direction. The Bible would say, still warring against Him. Going my own way in life. Well, you today can have the same hope that Christ's followers today, along with these early Christians in Rome, had. And again, it would be our privilege to help you nail that down. It's been a real joy these past 12 years to see over 200 people get baptized, which really means they've gone public and they've said, Christ Jesus has saved me and he's the Lord of my life. We've been able to baptize over over 200 people and they were going their own way. And at a certain point, they someone shared the message of Jesus with them. They came around, they started investigating, they got clarification on what it meant to really follow Christ. And then at a certain point, they stopped going their way and they started going God's way. They, that's called repentance. They turned away from their own way and started going God's way and yielded life to Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, don't wait any longer. Sometimes people think, I've got to do better in my life or I've got to clean up my life all the while still trying to do everything on their own. We actually need God to come and live inside of us. And the person of the Holy Spirit, as we receive Jesus, He puts His Spirit inside of us, and He brings the power to change our lives. Now, if that's you already, meaning if you're already a Christ follower, then reminding yourself of this spiritual reality that you have made peace with God and you have access to Him, that is reason to rejoice. Hope leads us to view the difficult as only temporary. Look at these words from Paul to a different church. He offers the same perspective on how to view the challenges of today. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. Paul writes, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That word transient meaning temporary. The things that we can see here on this earth, this is temporary. This life is not all that there is. This life actually is preparation for the next life. But if we lose sight of our eternal hope, then what happens is we lose heart here and now. That's why Paul starts and says, don't lose heart. So rejoice in the hope that you have in Christ. He helps you view the difficult things in a certain way. You can see difficulty differently if you have the hope of Christ. But there's more. Back in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and verses 4, Paul gives us some other reasons to rejoice. Christ followers can also choose joy because God is not done working in us here and now. He's not done. Here and now, we find ourselves actually right in the middle of a process where God is at work. Look at verse 3. Not only that, so not only do we rejoice in our hope, but not only that, but we also rejoice, there's another reason to rejoice, in our sufferings. Now that is a really strange statement. Paul's saying we rejoice in our sufferings. Now follow him. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You see, there's a process here. Suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. 
God is not done working in you. Thankfully, in Christ, you can have the hope of heaven. But here and now on earth, he's actually working out a plan through a process which passes through suffering. You walk through hard things. Whenever we walk through suffering, we actually learn to endure it. The weight of suffering is pressing down on us. It produces in a person who doesn't run away from it. It produces endurance. Endurance is, it, it, it basically means to bear up or to remain under the pressures of life. You develop something called endurance. God uses suffering to produce that quality in us, endurance. And endurance shapes our character. Your character is the real you. God is working this whole process out to firm up and to build strong character. And out of that, God produces hope. This whole maturing process develops people who are hopeful regardless of the circumstances. Also, Christ followers can choose joy because God takes care of us again and again as we trust Him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Paul, he is, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and that's, that's near Athens, Greece. He, he's writing this letter, it's a second, it's 2 Corinthians, so he's writing this to, uh, encourage them through the challenges that they're facing. Now, he himself was no stranger to suffering. Among many other painful experiences, Paul, five times he received lashes, meaning he was whipped. He was beaten. He was nearly stoned to death, meaning people pelted rocks to kill him. He didn't die, though. He was shipwrecked three times. He spent a night and a day drifting at sea. And then look at what he says after all of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8-10. through 10. Paul writes, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Now look at verse 9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. It was so hard. It was so bad. It felt like we're, we're destined to die. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him, we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. Paul mentions that these troubles that he was walking through, or that, that he had walked through in the past, were there to make him rely on God and not himself. And I love how matter-of-fact he is in verse 10. He says, he, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. He's confident in that. And then he declares, on Him, we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. So, you see, he's trusting Christ again and again. And this is where he's set his hope. There's that word hope. In fact, the word hope shows up in nearly all the passages we've looked at this morning. And so, Paul, he's giving us the process for dealing with suffering. You put your hope in God, and then he comes through for you. Then, with the next challenge, you put your hope in God again, and he comes through for you. And tomorrow, you put your hope in God, and he comes through for you. And when you have that kind of relationship of trust in Christ, you put your full trust in Him regardless of what you're facing. When you have that kind of relationship, you can find happiness in the middle of any situation. That's what Paul's really, uh, he's describing. Now here's a question to, to consider. What do you most need to trust God in? As you consider the challenges in your life right now, 
Maybe this week, you know, what's been interesting is, is from week to week just how much passes. So what, this week, right now, what do you most need to trust God in? I want to encourage you to take a few moments to answer that for yourself and if, and just maybe jot down a word or two that you can spend some time later. I hope that was helpful to identify the area in your life where you're struggling and need to trust God in. Now this week, I spent about an hour with four of our OCC healthcare workers. Uh, we have, we have more than that, but I, I contacted four and, and we, they participated in a Zoom call and we recorded our conversation on Zoom and, and I want to share with you some pieces of that uh, conversation. And then they're going to also share some prayer requests near the end. And so as they share those prayer requests, jot those things down because you can be praying for them specifically, but you can also be praying for similar things for other healthcare workers in our church and in our lives this week. These uh, four are, are all members of OCC. We've got uh, several others who are in, in, who work in the medical field. And, uh, but I got to hold these folks and just ask them if they would just share with us uh, some things from their world right now. And I think for me, especially um, during the like work hours and during the um, the moments where I just really want it to be over, <laughs> um, I just have to remember um, that I'm pretty confident in what God is doing. Um, and uh, I've, I've been given some opportunities that I haven't had before. I've been asked on a couple of occasions to like pray for my whole unit. But I mean, it's just, it just shows me that God is at work, um, as I know he is, but it just gives me those moments of realizing like, wow, where I'm at, I can really be a part of even changing the culture of what what is going on in this community and in our world right now where there is so much fear and there's so much anxiety um, and sadness. Um, Like Brian had mentioned earlier with his patients, like these people, they don't get to see their family. Nobody at our hospital, nobody can come in. Um, And these people that are really, really sick and are, and are passing, they don't have people with them. So, you know, just realizing it, and that seems an odd moment to like find joy, but just knowing that like God has really given me this opportunity to really be joy in a place where there isn't a lot of joy. Um, so that's kind of what motivates me to choose joy is just knowing that I, there's not a lot of people that are doing that right now. Um, there's a lot of disgruntled people and a lot of unhappiness, even amongst my coworkers. So having the opportunity to know, like, you know what, I have this in me because of Christ in me, and I I can choose this to really impact the people around me. Mm-hmm. The, my ability to trust and have secure 
confidence in um, God putting me here, you know, has given me uh, a steadiness that I've been able to help other patients through this this time. And so I think trusting him, for me, it's just typical, you know, staying in the word and, and praying daily um, and trusting on his promises and trusting that he put me where he put me for a reason. And I can use that uh, foundation and that confidence um, in Christ to provide or urge or, you know, spur people on to be encouraged um, in their current situation. It's a choice we make, and I can choose to be a light in someone's world, or I can choose to be their darkness. And I don't want to feed someone's darkness when they're already there. I want to be the light that leads them out of it and helps them to, to at least feel better, even if it's for that moment, to know that I brought them some happiness. Um, I mean, that's what we all are medical people for, is is that we want to make people feel better. We want to do stuff for people. We're, we're all servants. And what better way to serve than to bring joy to others and help them to find some ray of hope and peace in, in whatever they're going through. And for that alone, I, I, I would choose joy. So to make that choice, because there's sometimes it's not hard to be joyful and happy. And there's other, there's other days where it's an active choice because that day is a difficult day and, and you have to stop and take a moment and remember what you're doing and why you're doing it. For me, I, I can't say it's it's been this big struggle where every day I have to choose joy because I'm just so unhappy and afraid. I think it's more in a moment where uh, this is a difficult moment or the last two hours have been really hard or I know the next 12 hours are going to be really hard. Um, choosing to be patient and kind and a person that has joy and pleasant to be around. I think God's really helping helping me with that. And um, I think there are a couple of things. I think the first and foremost thing would be obviously health and safety. Um, we're very uh, cautious we use protective equipment all the time and we um, definitely wash our hands frequently and we're very safe when we come home. We, we, I think we've all talked about our, our routine when we get home, taking off the scrubs and we're not even taking the scrubs from the hospital home. Um, so just health and safety first and foremost. And then secondly for me, and I imagine for any, um, any of the people, uh, any of the providers who are, you know, giving the orders for nurses or LVNs or MAs to go into the rooms of, either suspected COVID patients or patients that have COVID. Um, I know I felt the pressure to be on the, on my, on the ball and uh, just succinct and precise and um, not have to tell a nurse or someone to go in and out multiple times if I can avoid it. And just, Oh, you know, I forgot. Uh, we also need to do this. Can you go in there again? Um, just, just to be mentally on the ball when I go to work. That way I can spare as much exposure for the people that I'm having go in. Um, definitely that would be a big prayer of mine. I think um, for me, I mean, the same as Brian, just pray over our families. Um, they're, I know they're scared because they tell us they are. Um, and just peace and just for us to feel his presence, even when, um, you know, us as, as medical professionals, um, we face each unknown. It's, 
even if we even if we know we'll be okay, it's still uncertain, and so you still have that apprehension. So just that there's peace with our families too, that or roommates or whoever, the people that we do come in contact with, or even um, our extended family might be concerned about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, prayer for them because I know that they can be worried mm-hmm. about that. So I think that's another group that I hadn't really thought about too much, but other family members who might be concerned, knowing that we're we're uh, with uh, patients daily. So, and honestly, for me too, just as to pray for these people that are sick. Um, it's really hard. It's some of these people are really sick, um, and um, just wisdom for how to treat um, with a new sickness. It's sometimes hard to know exactly what the what the best thing is going to be, um, and so just I, I've seen a lot of that of just trying to figure out what what the best course of action is and and how we can best help. Um, and and for their families too because i think it's been at least in my experience it's been really hard um to talk to these family members on the phone and they can't see them they can't they don't really know what's going on um you know and we're talking to five or six family members during the day i think just yes for safety for us but also just for comfort for the people going through that and and their families. As your church family, we're just grateful for all of you who are serving on the front line in this crisis. And I know you know that we're praying for you, but uh, this does help us to know more specifically of how we can pray for you. And so uh, I just really want to invite our church family to to pray for you guys and, and to pray for others in our church that are serving uh, on the front lines like you are. And and so thanks for taking the time to just share and to bring us into your world right now. And so we appreciate you guys. What I was really encouraged by in that conversation with was how those people are so hopeful. It's tough. It's 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 very taxing on all of them. But they're choosing joy in the midst of a really difficult situation. And they're aiming to shine God's love and light into the darkness. And I know that God can use you in a very similar way right now in your world. And I'm praying that he shows you more specific ways that you can do that on your block, do that in your neighborhood, on your job, however you can. How can you uh, keep Because of the hope that you have, how can you show God's love in very practical, tangible ways to the people around you? We want to thank you for joining us again this morning. I hope this has been helpful for you. Next week, we're going to look specifically at how Christ changes our expectations. We all expected some things would be going on at this point in our life, and all of our plans and all of our calendars, we've had to pretty much scrap. (laughs) And... I want to invite you to come back on Sunday. Maybe bring someone with you. And so here's some next steps that you can consider taking uh, as we sort of wrap things up. First, share your takeaway from this message with a friend or with your small group. And then second, would you consider inviting a friend, a neighbor, a family member 
to log on next Sunday and watch our service here at OCC. Let's take a moment and pray together. Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you for showing us and leading us uh, to to see how we can view things from from the right perspective and to see how to process what we're walking through. Lord, we thank you for the the work that you're doing in us right now, uh, that you're working out your plan and that you're producing hope in us. Father, I pray for each person who's watching, for those that already know you and already follow you. I pray that you'd strengthen them in this time and remind them of the of the great, eternal, secure hope that they have in Jesus. Secured. Thank you so much, Lord, for our living hope. For those that don't know you personally, Lord, I pray that, that you keep drawing their hearts, that they might hit a point very soon that they would yield their lives to Jesus Christ and that their lives would be changed for all eternity. We thank you for this gathering and this tool online. We thank you for this church and these families, these individuals just tuning in right now. I pray your protection over them, your blessing and care over them. We pray for the many who are on the front lines of helping right now. Would you strengthen them, give them energy, perspective? Lord, I pray for people to come to know you uh, through this crisis. Lord, I pray that you would turn hearts in a, in a powerful way. Father, we, we, we look to you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.